the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As we continue our survey of Luke, we find ourselves moving into chapter 15. Jesus saves the lost. Join us for Abounding Grace next. It goes without saying, Jesus saves the lost. But here in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 35, we get a clear picture of this massive statement. Simple as it is, it is deep, very deep, with loads of understanding. Please join us as we seek to understand the fact that Jesus does indeed save the lost. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Jesus saves the lost. Chapter 15 of the book of Luke. In this chapter, Jesus gives a beautiful trilogy of parables to answer the grumbling of the scribes and the Pharisees and to present them the gospel. He gives us the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost sons, plural. The Pharisees were disgusted with Jesus. They couldn't understand why he would associate with unclean people like publicans and prostitutes and other such sinners. They thought a person as this could not possibly be the Messiah. Their resentment of him was a result of their own self-righteousness. Their grumbling indicated that they did not recognize any need in themselves for Jesus. They had no need for his gospel, no need for his cross, and certainly no need for his forgiveness. In their religion of legalism and externalism, they were not conscious of any sins they needed to be forgiven of, but with compassion Even for them, Jesus perseveres patiently in explaining to them that he is the promised one who has come to seek and to save those who are lost and who will save anyone who repents of their sins. Now here we have three of the most familiar parables in the Bible, and they have several things in common. The most important thing I would have you notice is that in all three of these parables, That which was lost was the possession of the one who lost it. The sheep belonged to the shepherd. The coin belonged to the woman, and the sons belonged to the father. So these parables are about how God restores lost sinners to fellowship with him, for truly they do belong to him. These parables speak of God's love and God's compassion and God's patience for those who belong to him. And each of these parables emphasize, secondly, the lostness of sinful mankind. 
Thirdly, all three emphasize the rescue and restoration of the lost by the Lord himself, for no one rescues himself here. We see fourthly in all three of these parables that the means of rescue is repentance and the return of that which is lost to its proper place. And in all three of these parables, there was great joy and rejoicing at the repentance and rescue of that which was lost. Now, let's look at each one of these parables. First of all, the parable of the lost sheep, verses 3 through 7. And he told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep, and has lost one of them, does not have the ninety-nine in the open pasture, and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And then Christ's application. I tell you, that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Now in this parable, I would like you to notice three things. The searching shepherd, the lostness of the sheep, and the joy of the shepherd. First of all, the focus is on the searching shepherd. A sheep has wandered from his flock. It is lost, and the good shepherd searches for it until he finds it. No hardship, no difficulty, no sacrifice, no suffering, no pain is too great to find that one lost sheep and to bring it back home. Now remember the context in which this parable is spoken. It is on Jesus' journey to Jerusalem to die. As I have stated previously, He fixed his face toward Jerusalem. And since he fixed his face to Jerusalem to suffer and die for sinners, and since those sinners were close at hand, surely Jesus had in mind his own sacrifice and his own pain to save the lost. For the love of God for sinners was demonstrated in his death. As Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. Now this parable and the one on the lost coin, simple though they may be, highlight the difference between Christianity and every other world religion. All world religions have one thing in common except Christianity. Christianity is different than all the rest And these parables actually teach us that. Because only in Christianity does God come down and search for man. In every other religion, man must search for God. Christianity is the only religion of divine condescension, divine grace, and divine initiative. All other religions... Focus on man and what he must do to get to God. In no other religion in the world does someone come to know God as the one whom in his love seeks the lost to save them through his grace. You can look through all the writings 
of all the world's religions. And it is all about man searching for God. And when you read the parable of the lost sheep, of course, along with all the other books of the Bible, it is obvious that Christianity is the story of God's search for man. Now, the lostness of the sheep. The sheep has wandered away from the flock. It has gone its own way. It has refused to follow the voice of the shepherd and tried to make its own way to new pastures in search of food. It had become lost and was unable to find its way back to the shepherd. It placed itself in danger from all sides for which it could find no escape. Left to itself, that one sheep surely and most certainly would have died. Now, I hate to contradict maybe one of your favorite hymns that is actually in our hymnal about the 99 sheep that were safe supposedly, in that fold. I think the flock of sheep referred actually to the Jewish nation. The 99 that he left does not refer to saved people. They represented the Pharisees and their followers. Notice what it says about them. It says in verse 7, I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who, re re who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Uh, do you know of anyone who doesn't need repentance? Of course not. There is no such person. The point is... These are people who declared themselves righteous, who are not conscious of any need of repentance. And they represent the Pharisees and their followers who didn't see themselves as lost and in need of rescue. They saw themselves as the righteous who had no need for repentance. They felt secure in their own works. So in a sense, the 99 were lost although they didn't know it, and they certainly were not willing to admit it. So we must not infer from the parable that the 99 in the field were safe. The point is that they had no need for the shepherd. They were self-righteous, and Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. He did not come to call those who considered themselves righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus did not come to save the self-righteous Pharisees. He came to hide the truth from those who saw themselves as wise and righteous and to reveal it to babies. And that is exactly what he said in Matthew 11, 25 and 26 in his prayer to his father. He said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. If all of us do not see ourselves in this one lost sheep and instead identify ourselves with the 99 sheep, supposedly safe in the fold, who 
did not go astray. The result is we are identifying ourselves with the scribes and Pharisees who murmured against Christ. Why? Because he received sinners and he actually ate with them. So the important point for us to bear in mind here is that the way back to God begins with the recognition that we are lost. The Pharisees wouldn't admit to it. And our only hope is the search and rescue work of the good shepherd. The self-righteous see no need. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him, Christ, the iniquity of us all. In Psalm 119, 176, the psalmist confesses, I have gone astray like sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. 1 Peter 2, 24 and 25 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed, for you were continually straying like sheep. And now you have returned to the shepherd, the guardian of your souls. So if you are a person who takes great pride in your righteousness, you don't see any great need for radical, deep repentance and admitting that you are lost without Christ. And if you do not recognize that the only one who can do you any good is this good shepherd, you will never be found. You will remain lost and never know it until you wake up in the fires of hell. Because Jesus came not for the righteous. He came for sinners to repent. Then we see the joy of the shepherd. When the lost sheep is found, heaven resounds with rejoicing. And this rejoicing is in sharp contrast, of course, to the grumbling and the murmuring of the Pharisees. Jesus emphasizes the joy of the shepherd at the finding and rescuing of the lost sheep. But the Pharisees rejoiced more over God's destruction of the unrighteous and the unclean than they did over the salvation of the lost. Now, why was Jesus so happy and full of joy when the sheep was rescued? Well, first of all, there's never any doubt about it. The sheep that belong to him will never perish, he tells us. And he rejoiced as a mother who receives, his chi- who receives her child back to health after a near-death illness. But the reason for Jesus' joy is even much deeper. For Jesus died for his sheep. He said in John 10, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Second, Jesus loves his sheep. He said, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Thirdly, in rescuing the lost, Jesus is doing the will of his Father in heaven. It is the will of God that not one of his chosen sheep should ever perish. And fourth, in finding and restoring those who are lost, Jesus is creating and gathering his church. And his joy is complete only in the salvation of all those whom God gave him to save. 
And what does Scripture say about living the Christian life? It says it is a race. We must run it diligently, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our, of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. What was the joy that Jesus saw in that cross that brought him death? We see it in Isaiah 53, 11, which says, He shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. Jesus says, like a mother who goes through the great anguish of childbirth, when she sees the baby, she is happy. And the joy that Jesus saw on the cross, the travail that he went through, he went through gladly because he knew that it would result in the salvation of those whom he came to earth to save. Now, I'd like you to notice that it is the shepherd who brings the sheep back. The sheep doesn't find its way back on its own. It's too blind and too dumb. And I hope you understand that that is why God calls us sheep. It is not complimentary, beloved. It is not because we are soft and fuzzy. Sheep are one of the dumbest of God's animals, and they have absolutely horrible eyesight. If God really wanted to compliment us, he would call us the pigs of God, which is actually one of the smartest of God's animals in his kingdom. The sheep didn't find its way back. The shepherd brought him back. He put the sheep on his shoulders and he carried the sheep back home. It is all the work of the shepherd. And that joy that everyone experienced and finding the sheep is a joy based on repentance. The lost that Jesus rescues are repentant sinners When a sinner recognizes he is lost and he is in need of a Savior and repents and comes to Christ, the entire universe, it says, rejoices. Heaven resounds in laughter. But this rejoicing is not by the 99. The rejoicing is not for the 99. We don't read anything about them joining in this rejoicing. In fact, in verse 7, it says literally, I say unto you that likewise joy will be in heaven over one sinner who repents rather than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. For you see, without repentance, without love of Christ as a Savior, the Pharisees could not rejoice. They had no basis for joy. I would also like you to notice the certainty with which Jesus speaks about what's going on in heaven. This isn't guesswork on his part. He is saying, by the way, I'll tell you what it's like in heaven. When one person repents, angels and God and everyone else rejoices. Now, how did he know that? How could he be so certain about what was going on in heaven? Of course, because he had been there. He is God incarnate. 
So what is the application? Jesus calls you and me to tell the lost that there is a good shepherd who sacrificed himself to save the lost. We are to tell our friends and neighbors that they are lost. We need to tell them that they must repent of their lostness and and believe in the shepherd and that their rescue is all wrapped up in their admittance that they are lost and are in need of this shepherd. And then we are to tell them that when they are found and when they, are, when they repent, they are to rejoice with Jesus, for he found a sheep that was lost. Now that brings us to the parable of the lost coin. Look at verses 8 through 10. Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin which I had lost. And in the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over the sinner who repents. Now, Luke loves to present his truths in pairs of parables. And usually when he tells a story about a man, he tells a story about a woman. The story about the shepherd and his lost sheep is followed by the woman and her lost coin. And as one commentator said in describing this parable, this story, because of its brevity, sparkles with beauty. It reveals all the emotions of anxiety and worry, elation and joy in only a sentence or two. Yet, the story is complete. Jesus paints a picture of a woman who owned ten silver coins. They were probably worn as ornaments in a headdress. And these coins were probably her dowry. And she cherished those coins as a woman today would cherish her wedding ring. One of the coins became detached and fell off before she realized it. And like a woman who notices a diamond missing from her wedding ring, she searches diligently, turning everything in the house upside down to find that coin. While the emphasis in the first parable was on the effort of the shepherd to seek the lost sheep until he found it, the emphasis in this parable is on the thoroughness of the woman's search for the lost coin. And when she finds her precious coin... She calls together all of her friends and family and neighbors to celebrate and rejoice with her. Then Jesus makes this application in verse 10. In the same way I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now before we go on, I want you to see this picture. It's great, isn't it? Heaven is full of laughter and joy. Angels are laughing. Christians who have died are laughing. God is laughing. They're all rejoicing and celebrating in heaven. As the house of the woman was filled with happiness and laughter because she found that which was lost, so heaven rejoices when a sinner repents and turns to God in faith. And as the woman rejoiced before her friends and neighbors and family, so God rejoices before his angels. And as the coin belonged to the woman who diligently searched for it while it was lost, so the sinner who repents is a sinner who belongs to God. 
because God is not willing that any of his chosen ones should ever perish, but that all men should come to repentance. These two parables, the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coins, have an obvious evangelistic thrust. Jesus included his church in his mission to save the lost in the world. It is our job under Christ, beloved. In his high priestly prayer to his father in John 17, 18, he said, As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world to do what you sent me to do. That is to seek and save those who are lost. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 40 408- 8665607 that's 4088665607 our website where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us is reformedheritage.org and then of course you can write to us at PMB that stands for post mailbox number 402 1484 Pollard Road Los Gatos California the zip code is 95032 Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.